You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Colleen Emery has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Colleen. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, March 7, 2019, in Austin, Texas. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From next to the shores of Tom Merritt, I'm Justin Robert Young. And uh, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. And uh, how y'all doing? Also behind the scenes, uh, Bryce Castillo from the Brian Brushwood Studios helping us out. Amos, our intern, helping us out. And uh, very happy to have uh, with us as a guest, David Spark, producer and host for the CISO series. David, welcome back. Great to be here. We're going to get David's download on the RSA conference. Uh, You've you've been having some fun talking security with folks all week. Yes, it's been a good time. I'm trying to think. I have done this sort of yearly check with you on RSA for many years. I think I did it when you were over at Twit too. We've done this a long time. It's definitely three years running in a row. And yeah, probably a total of, I don't know, five, six, seven, maybe. Yeah, I, maybe, I've been doing RSA. This was my 10th year. So it's been a while. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to get to all of that, but let's start with a few tech things you should know. The joint healthcare venture between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan will be called Haven. The three companies announced the venture back in January of 2018 and named Dr. Atul Gawande as CEO last June. Haven will work with existing care providers and focus on helping employees of Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan navigate the healthcare process. Microsoft beat its big cloud provider competitors to opening a data center in South Africa. Huawei is coming in later this year, and Amazon scheduled for 2020. Facilities in Cape Town and Johannesburg offer Azure services, and Office 365 hosting will arrive in Q3 with Dynamics 365 following in Q4. Say goodbye to those high ping times, South African gamers. Also, (laughs) our Technica notes that Microsoft is investing in a fiber network reaching Egypt, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, and soon Angola. Nice. Nintendo announced new products in its cardboard Labo line. The Labo VR kit will cost you 80 bucks, has six different kits, including just a plain old VR cardboard goggle, 
uh, or the goggles with extensions like a blaster, a camera, a bird, an elephant, and a foot-operated wind pedal, probably for driving, sailing, I don't know. A basic mm -hmm. kit for 40 bucks has just the goggles and the blaster, and there are two expansion sets for 20 bucks each that have the camera and the elephant in one and the bird and the wind pedal uh, in another. All those new VR kit variations will be available on April 12th. All right. Uh, yesterday, we talked about the declining popularity uh, of Facebook as a brand. And then pretty much as you were talking about it, uh, Sarah, uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg told us what he thinks is the future of his brand. Indeed, he did, Tom. Zuckerberg made a post on Facebook Wednesday titled, quote, a privacy focused vision for social networking, unquote. In it, he emphasized Facebook's commitment to becoming a privacy-focused platform around the following principles, private interactions, end-to-end -end encryption, inducing permanence, safety interpre interpretability, and secure data storage. Zuckerberg said, over the next few years, we plan to rebuild more of our services around these ideas. The interpretability section notes that Facebook wants to let users opt into the ability to send messages across Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram and expand to include RCS on its Android apps. Messenger can currently do SMS on Android. Uh, it's your Florida accent, interoperability. Uh, interoperability. Yeah, because it's all, basically, I agree with Molly Wood, who wrote this column for Wired, that this is all about saying our business in the future will be messaging. So there are two things that I, I hear. I, I do hear that. But here's, and this might be maybe a little bit conspiratorial, Justin. Mm -hmm. Privacy very often means payment. It is a cut above the secure uh, transmission, the secure uh, keeping of your data, VPNs. These are all paid for services. What I think might be an interesting pivot is if this really gets them to the idea of Facebook wants consumer services. They want to be in the business of interacting with people and having revenue streams that aren't just carving up every element of your life and selling those cuts of meat to advertisers who want the demographics that you are offering to them. If that is a possibility, I think it is a value add that Facebook can feel good about offering to people. And I think consumers might enjoy because privacy is more of a focus these days. Some of this we've already heard about uh, Facebook for business uh, group pages, for example, uh, yeah. Facebook had announced uh, recently uh, over the last couple of months that the company would allow a group manager to be able to respond to some post on that group from Instagram, for example, or WhatsApp. And that would be seamless for the person who had originally asked the question and, and they wouldn't and they know. Would so, so, so some of so some of that is is kind of like okay well Zuckerberg is maybe just restating something that perhaps most of the general public doesn't yet know and they want to make sure they spin it as you know Zuckerberg's plan for the for the future but I wonder I don't know I mean what happens to the news feed when everything is supposed to be personal messaging back and forth to one another what happens to me being able to I don't know, look at a page of somebody who wasn't my friend and and, and how does that change? Because that's, that's the nothing. Facebook that I know. Literally nothing happens to that. Because he didn't mention them once. No, no, because also that is their entire business. Their entire <laughs> business is you doing things in public and them selling advertisers access to you. So that never changes. What they want is another revenue stream 
not to replace the revenue stream that they have. David, I'm curious, after spending a week with security folks, how this story strikes you. Uh, well, I would just say probably the big thing is encryption. I think that's probably the big story for the people uh, back there. And I, I would just say on the personal element, the other thing that uh, Zuckerberg said was the reducing permanence element of it. I mean, I, everything you guys have said is I'm I'm on board with with regards to their business and revenue. Uh, but the he had mentioned encryption before. What's unclear, though, on encryption, because it's default with WhatsApp. Will it now become default for all the other messaging? Because I got the sense early on that it wasn't default. Yeah. And as we have also discovered, um, while they say you can control your privacy, most people don't. Yeah, he say, he he says in this post that end-to-end -end encryption is really important. He'd love to do them on Messenger and Instagram, just like on WhatsApp. But gosh, it's real hard. And they'll try their best, doggone it, to do that. He didn't promise it on, on either one of those. So I think that's that's important to note. Also, he spent a whole thing talking about privacy and and his his big feature ad was and will allow you to share your messages more across platforms. But let me also <laughs> add one, one major issue, though, is let's say that you are the biggest privacy, you know, concerning person and you have controlled all the elements you've shut down all privacy elements maybe you've completely removed yourself from facebook or i only have a limited aspect that doesn't necessarily matter because if all of your friends and family don't care about your privacy mm -hmm. you can be triangulated regardless yeah i mean look, so this, this that's is, the other issue this is not about people who care about privacy now this is about all the people that are learning about the fact that they might care about privacy in the next 10 years yes Google is expanding its duplex AI-based appointment reservation assistant from a limited test in four cities to Pixel 3 owners that want it in 43 U.S. states. It will work with any restaurant that takes rest, uh, reservations but doesn't have an online booking option just yet. The service will roll out to users on other Android devices as well as iOS in the coming weeks. So this is exciting. This is duplex hitting the big time, right? Like a lot of people, including iOS people, are going to be able have to any use of you it. Have you tested it, by the way? What's that? Have any of you tested duplex yet? I have not had the pleasure. I have not, no. No. Okay. Have you? I haven't, but I, I've had, like, then let me take it a step back. Have you an, had an experience with an AI assistant, some, you know, some type of artificial sort of communication assistant, a, you know, a, a chat bot of some sort that you actually enjoyed the experience and it was valuable? I can tell you personally, from my experience, I had one with Lyft where I was trying to get a $5 credit back for, um, for a missed ride and it worked beautifully. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I had an experience with a Sonos Facebook messenger bot and it did not work well. It did not work well. Yeah. No. Well, the promise here is that duplex will, you won't interact with it at all. You'll just tell it, I want you to do this and it'll go make the phone call for you. Come back and say, yeah, I booked your appointment. But it, if, you, if you watch the video that they created and you know, who knows if it works, it still has to have some AI chat bot like, capabilities like when they're talking to the yeah, reservation but, but, yeah but not to you so unless you're the 15 year old girl working at the hostess stand at the italian restaurant yeah, right, that you right. want a reservation for she's the one that's going to have to deal with it uh, uh we'll see whether or not it works we'll see if it's to me it feels like one of those things that could have a little bit of a google backlash it, it, it already did it had its backlash last year at io in the so, tech press so we'll see whether, whether we get a second wave we're not it would be the mainstream press because yeah, you'd yeah. be calling non-tech people and it's 
the rise of the robot uh, reservation. We people. had some New York Times. <laughs> Last time. But I, 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 that doesn't undercut your point yeah. in any way. Uh, Huawei filed a complaint in U.S. federal court Wednesday challenging the constitutionality of Section 899 of the National Defense Authorization Act. That section bans the use of Huawei and ZTE technology by U.S. government contractors on the basis of national security. Huawei claims there's no evidence out there that its products pose a security threat, and therefore, Huawei claims this constitutes what is called a bill of attainder. A bill of attainder is an act of legislation that targets a person or group to punish them without trial. So if I were to pass a bill saying Justin committed murder and he's going to jail for life, that's the law. That's a legislation, but I never put him on trial for it. That would be a bill of attainder. Uh, That is specifically forbidden. Bills of attainder are specifically forbidden in the Constitution of the United States in two places, Article 1, Section 9 for federal, and Article 1, Section 10, which says states can't even do this. We're not letting anybody do it. Similarly targeted, Kaspersky Labs has filed a similar suit about their targeting, saying, hey, that's essentially a bill of attainder. They have not had any success in convincing a court of that yet. Uh, No other country has yet banned Huawei equipment. Britain's National Cybersecurity Center last reviewed Huawei equipment in July and found low-risk shortcomings, saying this is not the kind of thing we deem as a hostile act. So there isn't a lot of evidence out there that Huawei is actually damaging. It's all about the potential to do it. Yeah. Uh, Documents released by Edward Snowden in 2013 showed that the U.S. planted surveillance beacons in Cisco routers, which have since been banned by the use of Chinese uh, government authorities. So the opposite has happened with China. I would doubt that Huawei is going to win this, but if nothing else, it shows that Huawei wants to fight back. Well, and obviously it has become personal with the the, the detaining in Canada. And uh, look, uh, this has been a fight and this will continue to be a fight politically. And uh, in terms of how we look at this technically, when you talk about building out a 5G backbone, which is really what this is all about, the issue isn't, are you buying malware for cheap? It's, will China be able to resist if they have a backdoor that could be exploited. Right. And would they be able to make Huawei do it? That's the other question. Yeah. Which in in terms of companies that big in China, at least the reputation is that that is something that is more understood than it would be in America. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, the one issue is that it doesn't have to be a technological risk. It is something where they could use it in a geopolitical uh, diplomatic sense where, oh, hey, suddenly, you know, you do something we don't like. We can just suggest to Huawei, maybe just throw back on your uh, service, because it's one of the things that's implemented in a national uh, uh, intelligence law that uh, China passed about four years ago that corporations are compelled to help uh, the national government and intelligence interests. Now, all of that said, the security researchers that I've read uh, generally say we don't think they really have the capability to do this in in current uh, in, in in their current equipment and current software. I'm curious, David, in your dealings with security professionals, what your impression is with with regard to Huawei deal is that uh, you know I think they're they always have concerns actually on everybody's kind of chips for that matter. Sure. Just Huawei to tell the honest truth. And they're chronically finding uh, hacks and issues. And this is why you have uh, pen tests and you have hacker challenges for that matter to find problems. So I don't know if Huawei is 
unique to tell you the honest truth that's uh, yeah that's maybe, kind of the, you know the government going after them for that matter that's kind of the sense that i get too uh, I'll take really sad stories for a hundred. Oh, yeah. 78-year-old Jeopardy host Alex Trebek posted a video on YouTube Wednesday to announce he had been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. He said, quote, I wanted to prevent you from reading or hearing some overblown or inaccurate reports regarding my health. Therefore, I wanted to be the one to pass along this information, end quote. What is get well soon? Yeah, definitely that. Uh a lot of folks are reporting this uh, under the headline that, you know, Alex Trebek circumvents the media, reaches out straight to his audience through YouTube. Uh, but, you know, they've they've actually had a, a fairly rich uh, social media presence for the last uh, a couple of years. I think that the, uh, you know, Jeopardy in general has realized that they are a cultural institution. Uh, Alex Trebek is somebody that is looked at very, very fondly. And in this modern era where we find out more and more of our heroes are very flawed, I'll say mildly. The ones that are good and decent people are people that we tend to celebrate online. So I'm glad that he made this connection with his audience, people that are passionately uh, Jeopardy viewers or quiz fans in general. And uh, uh, it is it is sad. But but 78 years old on television, man, that guy still is, well, the three years still, left on his contract. Yeah, still yeah. crushing it. <laughs> Louise. Yeah, it's funny. I was watching some local news in Los Angeles yesterday because sometimes I do that in the evenings when I want to feel better about myself. But uh, the the big story, of course, because obviously Jeopardy is 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 shot here in the in the city, is that you know Alex Trebek and they're interviewing doctors who have ideas about whether or not he can beat this, and and at no point did anybody mention, oh, and this was a YouTube uh, post, and isn't that kind of interesting? And he 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 had a uh, a, a genius way to circumvent uh, this sort of media frenzy. It was the media frenzy that happened anyway, uh, to the point where I was like, oh, it's on the set, which it was, yeah. but I didn't realize it was a YouTube video at all. Nobody ever mentioned that. It's almost as if the local channels don't want you to use YouTube. Right, exactly. Or don't really do I'm their sure they plug their YouTube. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Let's finish with something a little happier. Uh, we, we wish Alex Trebek uh, the best of health and hope he beats this. Absolutely. Microsoft is open sourcing Windows Calculator, a.k.a. Calc.exe. You know it, you love it. Well, you might love it, but you definitely know it. With source code available on GitHub today under the MIT Permissive License, which includes the build system, unit tests, and the product roadmap for the calculator feature in Windows. You know, you might recall that Microsoft previously open sourced the original file manager to let it run on Windows 10 and recently made 60,000 patents open source to help protect Linux. So this isn't necessarily something that Microsoft hasn't already said that it wants to do, but a lot of people were surprised and delighted by the calculator going open source. I mean, it's just, it's Microsoft dancing on Steve Ballmer's LA Clippers gear lined grave as they continue to embrace Linux and open source. Like, you know what? We'll just open source calculator too. <laughs> Why not? Good for them. I'm glad. Hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right. Let's talk RSA. David Spark, uh, you've got a great roundup of, of some of the biggest stories that came out of the conference. Uh, well, I'm going to say biggest stories that I was related to because that conference is huge. There's no way I can see them all. No, that's a fair point. Uh, we are not going to comprehensively tell you everything that no, happened. No, by any stretch. <laughs> you've, got the, you've got some great stuff here. Uh, what, what do we want to start with? 
Well, I would say that the biggest story, and it just so happens that we and interviewed the the co-founder on uh, our podcast on this week, is um, uh, the fact that Google Chronicle uh, or Google's uh, company Chronicle is part of the Google Ventures. They release a product called Backstory, which is one of these log management programs. Uh, it does uh, security information and event management, better known as SIM. And what is unique about them, and so they essentially collect you know, your company data and anything that you want to gather. What is unique about them is they're going to collect all the data, all the data you want to collect, that is, which is different than all other sort of competitive sims that uh, charge you by the, by the amount of data that you collect. And as a result, um, you don't collect all of it or you start dumping it o- over time. And so they're actually... Uh, the Chronicle backstory or Chronicle, the company Chronicle, the product is backstory. They're going to charge by the number of users within your company. It's not exactly clear. So if you have a hundred employees, I guess you sign up, you register for a hundred users and it will collect everything. And they claim that they're going to have better results in analyzing your log data because they're going to have petabytes of information. Now, the, when this news came out and it was kind of huge, uh, at RSA, um, Rapid7, Splunk, and IBM stock dropped precipitously as a result. Significant but, drops, so, all three. Could be a coincidence, but when all three that are in the same space drop, you figure it has to be Alphabet's Chronicle, right? Like this is yeah. an al- this is one of those Alphabet companies. Yeah, that it's is- actually an Alphabet company. Yeah, yeah. I always forget to say it like that. Yes, well, it is Alphabet. <laughs> and it's. It, I, I always try to make a point of, of pointing that out when it's important like this because a lot of times we think, well, Alphabet, it's really just Google, and they haven't had any of the alphabet other companies and there are dozens of them now mm-hmm. uh really take a leap forward this is the kind of thing that could put them forward in the enterprise space yeah i mean it's going to be very interesting and it's by the way this uh, this is all falling what they're trying to do is falling under the machine learning umbrella which by the way the whole security community is kind of getting a little sort of wrapped up in this sort of uh the obsession around machine uh, learning yeah I, I actually had a really interesting conversation with uh uh very smart guy by the name of Davi Ottenheimer, who actually is giving a talk tomorrow about um, machine learning failures. And one of the things I thought was really fascinating is machine learning essentially learns from our history. Well, there's a lot of bad and negative stuff in our history. And often what machine learning does is double and triple down on the bad stuff and it amplifies it. So a, a good example of this was, you remember the, the story a while back when um, Google's image search was tagging uh, African-Americans as gorillas. And so mm-hmm. it became a sort of a racist machine learning. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that it had actually also tagged, tagged white people as animals, but there were white employees to catch that and to correct it. And this is a problem with Google's diversity problem. They didn't catch and correct the other problem as well. Yeah. So, and, and we've talked about the the biases that are built into machine learning coming from the biases of the data. And yeah. if you don't have the perspective to see a bias, you won't be able to catch it in the data. And the machine learning doesn't know because it's only going on the data that you give it. Right. And so what Alphabet or actually Chronicles, as we're correcting trying so many names of companies here, where yeah, Chronicles right. uh, angle is, by keeping all of the data, we have a, a longer history. We can develop a machine learning algorithm sort of 
more correctly because we're not trashing data over time. And then there's the, this whole, by the way, issue of anonymizing data and how they're doing it because they're not pointing to an IP address, which actually would violate some GDPR issues. So there's, and also soon to be uh, California Consumer Protection Act mm-hmm. issues as well, which goes into effect beginning of next year. So um, this is going to take time to play out, but it will be interesting to see how their competitors react to this. Because if this is their pricing model, which is very different than competition, it could cause some serious ripples. Uh, This is also something that's interesting with Google specifically, is their DNA of of Google was basically taking the money out of enterprise programs for Microsoft, you know, in terms of uh, sheets and, and docs. Like, they basically made those industry standard free for for people uh, when previously those were paid programs. So they've always had a little bit of a complicated uh, relationship with enterprise because they've, uh, you know, the DNA has been so consumer focused. So it's, it's interesting to see them take this tack from the venture side. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we've got uh, we've got time for to hear a little more of the tales of RSA. Uh, what 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 else you got before we wrap up here? All right. Well, I'll just say in general. Oh, I, I got to say this. I'll skip. You know, the, the the fact that there were you know all the crazy booths and things like that. And uh, but the thing because we talked about this, I think two years ago about ransomware. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a new thing: ransomware as a service. RAS. Isn't this mm-hmm. awesome? You know. One of the problems is I want to be a criminal of some sort, and I would like to blackmail people. And, you know, I don't really have the wherewithal to put up the money to start the process. So wouldn't it be good if I just paid a service to allow me to send ransomware, which for those people know what it is, is I send a a malware to your machine, encrypt your whole machine, you pay me money, and then I decrypt your machine. By the way, you wouldn't pay me because I wouldn't do it. But the... But the ransomware as a service model is to essentially do a money split. You sign up for the service, you send it out, whichever money you collect, you split it with someone else. Now, there's good news here. It's not okay, all bad. News. Yeah. The good uh, news is not turn to a life of crime with no other option. The good good news is there is an co- organization called no, NoMoreRansom.org. And as these ransomwares go out, they decrypt them and they make that decryption available on the site. And there's a team of people doing it and there's more people joining. So keep, keep NoMoreRansom.org in your back pocket should this issue happen to you. Yeah, and, and that, that that's what you want. You want to have an arms race because if if ransomware as a service made it so easy that anybody could do it, literally, uh, all you need be, is low morals. Yeah, it's going to be a, a it's going to be much harder to beat than if you have somebody out there saying, "But we're we're going to be right there." Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Claude Three Model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit 
anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. They're decrypting this as fast as possible. Uh, and and a lot of, I, I don't know if this was kicking around at RSA, but a lot of the blogs that I read are indicating that that really ransomware is becoming too hard. So it's not surprising that someone would come up with a way to try to make it easier because they're like, ah, it doesn't pay off. It's it's too difficult. Well, I mean, I had learned two years ago that it, the people were selling kits that you could do it yourself. You know, you, you install the ransomware kit and then you get a Bitcoin account. But this ransomware service had even leveled up the simplicity even more. Yeah. So uh, it's, it is a very tough arms race. Well, uh, thank you, David, uh, for, for keeping us up to date with a little bit of, of what's happening over at RSA. Thank you. Thanks also to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you want to hang out on our Facebook group, well, we've got a place for you. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Well, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Scott had some thoughts on the concept of popular devices versus best devices and said, Instead of a ring video doorbell, for example, I went with a Skybell because it works in a wider range of temperatures. I live in Vermont and provides a week's worth of saved videos without having to pay a monthly fee. Instead, having uh, the Instapot, I went with a Zaver, which America's Test Kitchen found to be superior in several ways. ATK found the Instapot didn't sear that well and was bad at pressure cooking compared to the competition. And the Zaver has an alert if your top doesn't seal correctly, which is a common problem on the Instapot. What will just be forever to get pressure, but fall off the seal isn't good. It's really important to vote with your dollars and support the company producing the superior product. If we just support the popular, mediocre product and not the best one, then the companies providing good products aren't going to succeed and we're going to be forever stuck with only mediocre or even bad options. I think you'll find plenty of people to debate what the best product is, but I agree with nope, that sentiment. Seems clear. Uh, everybody, uh, that's it. We've solved it. Uh, spend your money on the best product. Uh, wake up, sheeple. <laughs> I do think, though, that it's a, it's, a, it's a fair thing to point out that you, sh you should look around at the wire cutter or American Test Kitchen, and, and there might be some options out there you didn't realize are there. Uh, I mean, look, in, in, in today's day and age, we are more targeted with advertising than we ever have been before. And I think that that is a great lesson here is that if you see, you know, if, if Ring has saturated your worldview, it's still worth a Google. It's still worth a Google to see what other options are there and whether or not the things are specifically uh, designed for you. So I would agree with, with Scott in that, you know, not everything that has the biggest advertising budget is the best it's for necessarily you. The best, Put your sure. effort in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks to David Spark for being with us, Spark Media Solutions and co-host of the CISO Security Vendor Relationship Podcast and Series. David, where can people find what you're up to and, and where to go? 
keep up? Well, for this crowd, I would recommend go to CISOseries.com. Uh, that's where you can see both the CISO Security Vendor Relationship Podcast and our new podcast, which we just started less than two months ago, called Defense in Depth, where we pick one hot topic and we go in depth. And, my, and I should say that my co-hosts for those two shows are um, Mike Johnson, the now former CISO of Lyft, and also Alan Alford, the CISO of Mitel. Oh, fantastic. Both awesome, awesome co-hosts. Thanks also to Justin Robert Young for being with us. I know you're in Austin and having a blast, but where can people find the rest of your work? Well, here's the only thing that you guys need to do is find Tom and I at the South by So Wasted live show. It is this Saturday at the North Door in Austin, Texas, just a couple blocks away from 6th Street, right in the thick of everything. Podcastlink.com slash night attack. It's only 18 bucks now. If you buy it now, uh, it'll go up at the door. So please make sure if you're planning on coming out, don't wait. Head on over to podcastlink.com slash night attack. In fact, just trigger your phone uh, uh, voice assistant and literally say podcastlink.com slash night attack and you will be able to get your tickets uh, right there. It's going to be an absolute blast. Me, myself and Brian Brushwood are doing a night attack. Uh, we have the Ice Cream Social Boys coming in from Las Vegas. Tom's going to be there. Willie Dills, Andrew Heaton from Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. Musical performances by Dual Core and Jomo and the Possum Posse. We have packed so much value into this $18. I'm going to scream. I'll see you Saturday, folks. No need to shop around. <laughs> nope. Podcastlink.com slash night attack. Uh, also, our show is supported by you. You are the folks that give us the most support and you are the folks we are answerable to. John just wrote in and said, Dear Tom, Sarah, and crew, thank you so much for all that you do. I just recently became a patron and I'm so proud to be able to say I support independent tech news. I have always told friends, family, and coworkers about the show, but now I can say that I am supporting it directly. Keep up the amazing perspective that you bring to the world of tech journalism as well as the Frog Pants and Diamond Club communities. I really don't know what I would do without you in my workday. Cheers and mahalo from Maui. Well, mahalo to you back, John. Yeah, absolutely. Join John if you haven't already and get some of that aloha spirit at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you have feedback for us, our email address is feedback at Daily Tech News Show. We love your emails. Keep them coming. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. That works with your schedule. Rad! Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow from Austin, Texas with Len Peralta illustrating and Brian Brushwood is my is guest. part of the Frog then. Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.